Well, good evening, Harvest. Good evening, good evening. It is a joy to be here. Uh, I'm so excited and humbled and thankful, grateful for the opportunity to come uh, in, in a real way to come home again. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful uh, that the Lord allowed me another opportunity to proclaim his gospel here at Harvest OPC and that I have not yet broken my plate. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Uh, thank you uh, for the elders. Thank you for, uh, um, for uh, the pastors here. Uh, we thank the Lord for Pastor Dale and Pastor Jeff and Pastor Wayne. Uh, and uh, we have already had a good time in the Lord, haven't we? God has already been good to us, better to us than we realize. And uh, I, was, I was reminded, I was convicted that, that, uh, uh, that, the, that the word is delicious. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> Pastor Wayne said, it's delicious. I said, yes, Lord. It's delicious. The word is good. It's delicious. It's, uh, it's good for the soul. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 15 on this evening. Mark chapter 15. We are going to be looking this evening at verses 42 through 47 of Mark 15. Mark chapter 15 Verses 42 through 47, considering together the burial of Christ, a proof and a prelude. Mark chapter 15, verse 42 through 47, this is God's word. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage, went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse Joseph. Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. This evening's passage picks up just after the crucifixion where the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, bore the curse of sin and death upon the cross and offered up his life as an atoning sacrifice to reconcile us to God. With his death, the curtain of the temple was torn in two to show that the once and for all atoning sacrifice for God's people had been made to save the people of God. And now you might be tempted to think that there is a brief intermission between the details of the drama. After the death, we kind of in our mind sort of mentally check out and just wait for three days later. And we, 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 we think that, that in some ways that, that, that the burial is just kind of an intermission uh, to, 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 to get to the next part of the real action. 
But I, I want us to, to, to consider again the burial uh, because Mark goes through great pains to show us that the burial of Christ is not merely an intermission between parts of the drama, that the burial of Christ is part of the drama itself. That, that the burial of Christ uh, is, is an essential part of the action, that it is an essential part of the gospel itself. From the earliest gospel proclamations, the burial of Christ has been included as an essential part of the gospel. Remember 1 Corinthians 15, as Paul lays out the essential components of the gospel, the essential elements of the gospel, he says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And listen to this, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And so alongside the cross and the resurrection, Paul lists the burial of Christ as of first importance, as essential to the gospel, not just to the narrative to get from one point to the other, but essential to the atoning work of Christ. Listen, beloved, if Christ had not been buried, we would not be saved. Salvation comes by faith, not only in his death and his resurrection, but also by faith in his burial. The burial of Christ is important because, listen, beloved, it provides a proof and a prelude. Write that in, in point number one. First, we're going to talk about the burial of Christ is proof of Christ's death. Proof of Christ's death. The burial of Christ provides absolute confirmation that Jesus really died for our sins. The Greek word that is used to talk about the body of Christ was a, was a particular word that describes a corpse. And the text offers several testimonies of his death. For instance, the crowd of, of women who looked upon him from the distance and heard and saw him die. That was back in verses 41, 40 through 41. The Roman centurion that, that saw Jesus take his final breath. That's in verse 44. And Joseph of Arimathea who took his mangled, bloodied body off the cross in verse 46. They all provide eyewitness testimony that Jesus Christ did not merely appear to die, but that Jesus Christ really died. Moreover, that Jesus died the kind of death that we all die. A death that ends, listen to this, in the grave. Remember Genesis 3, 19, after humanity had sinned against the Lord, and the Lord began, came and proclaimed the curse upon sin, and, 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 and he says that this curse upon sin would, would culminate uh, with this. He says, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. That's a reference to burial. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so part of the curse 
was not only that, that, that human beings would die, but that they would return to the ground. And so if Jesus, the Son of God, would bear the fullness of our curse, he must not only die our death, but he must also go into the ground. And so the Lord's burial, Jesus Christ's burial, was indeed the capstone of his humiliation, and it confirms, listen, beloved, the finality of his death. All of us who have stood beside the grave of a loved one and have seen that casket lower into the ground can testify today that the hardest part of the process is not the funeral. The hardest part of the process is the burial. The final closing of the casket, the final lowering into the ground. Because there, unlike anywhere else, life we see is not only finished, but it disappears from view. We walk away from the graveside knowing that the separation is complete. That our father, that our mother, that our sister, our brother, our son, our daughter, our friend is to be seen no more in this life. And so burial, in a real way, is the proof is confirmation in the finality of our death. And so it was for Christ. Heidelberg Catechism question 41 asked the question, why was he buried? And the answer was, his burial testified that he really died. And listen, beloved, we need this testimony today. We need to know that he really died. We need the testimony that Christ really died so that we might be fully assured that we will really live. His death, listen, beloved, brings us everlasting life. And so as we hear of so many witnesses to his death, as we hear of his body being taken down from the cross, as we hear of his corpse being anointed with oil and fragrances and wrapped in linen, as we hear of him laid in the tomb, it all provides an amazing combined testimony to the rock-solid reality of our salvation. We can oftentimes in this life, began to be tempted to wonder, is it really finished? Am I really right with God? Is there anything left to be done? Is there any more left to be paid? But Jesus Christ's burial testifies that he didn't just merely appear to die, but that he actually died, so it is actually finished. Jesus Christ's burial testifies to us that Jesus didn't just go halfway into death, that he didn't just go three-fourths the way into death, but when Jesus Christ drank the cup of the wrath of God on your behalf and my behalf, he went all the way to the bottom. Went all the way to the bottom, all the way to the fullness, the furthest extent of death. And because he did, because he went to the bottom, there is no more condemnation left for you and left for me. Because he went to the bottom, there is no more curse left for you or left for me. Because he went to the bottom, listen, we know from the burial that his atonement is finished, that the curse has been born, that forgiveness is real, that pardon is available, and that because Jesus really died. His burial assures us 
of spiritual life, of everlasting life. And listen, beloved, it assures us of physical life. The burial of Jesus Christ interprets for us the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It tells us that when he got up on the third day, it tells us, listen, that he didn't just uh, overcome a seeming death, but that he overcame actual death, the very same kind of death that happens to us. He didn't just, listen, listen, he didn't just defeat death itself. He also defeated death, hell, and the grave, you see. Jesus, listen, beloved, because we know he was buried, it tells us that Jesus didn't go around death, that Jesus went through death. Because he was buried, it tells us that Jesus didn't, didn't avoid death, but Jesus overcame death. Because he was buried, it tells us, listen, beloved, that, that, that Jesus didn't cheat death. Jesus defeated death. And that makes all the difference for those of us who must go that way. So we think about death, especially our own death. We can easily find ourselves intimidated by the gloominess of the grave, by the darkness and the loneliness and the chilliness, and especially the fear of the unknown. Death is not something that any of us likes to think about. But when we see Jesus buried, we see him pass through every phase of the journey that we must go through. And because Jesus has already gone that way, we know that we, those of us who are united to him by faith, have safe passage. Mm. Jesus has already been there. Jesus has already done that. Jesus has already made it all right for you and for me. Hebrews 2.14 says that through his death, Jesus Christ delivers all those who through the fear of death are subject to lifelong slavery. And in his burial, Jesus reveals that we need not fear the grave because our king has already been there. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final, final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Because Jesus has been there, I don't have to be afraid. I can entrust my final breath. I can entrust my death. I can entrust my burial to my faithful Lord and Savior who has already made a way for me. Zacharias Ursinus, the main author of the Heidelberg Catechism, says this about the burial of Christ. It says, he would be buried that we might not be afraid of the grave, but know that our head, Christ, had sanctified our graves by his burial, that now they are no longer graves but chambers of quiet repose until we be raised again unto life. Did you hear what he's saying? He, he's saying that by his burial and through his burial, Jesus has transformed the grave into a master bedroom. So that as we lay beloved saints to rest, we don't need to fear. We don't say goodbye forever. We say goodnight. We'll see you in the morning. Mm. Ooh, and, 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 oh, and, and, as, 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 I, as I think about loved ones that I've 
seen laid to rest, and you think about loved ones that you've seen laid to rest, isn't it good news that it's not goodbye forever, but it's good night, Daddy, good night, Grandmama. We'll see you in the morning. We'll miss you deeply. We're, we're sad that you're gone, but because Jesus has gone that way, we know that your burial chamber is not forever, so good night. We'll see you in the morning. It's proof of his death. But listen, it's also a prelude to his resurrection. The burial of Christ is a prelude to his resurrection. The burial of Christ not only marks the deepest point of Jesus' humiliation, it also marks the beginnings of his exaltation. Listen, not just at the resurrection, but but the burial is where we can see the Lord beginning to exalt His Son and give us glimmers and, and giving us a prelude of the glory that will be fully manifested on the third day. Remember what Isaiah 53 said about the Messiah, about His grave. He, Isaiah, as he prophesied about the Christ, about the Messiah, he says His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. This passage reveals to us the transition. The burial marks the transition from humiliation to exaltation. Jesus Christ, in his burial, goes all the way to the bottom and begins to come back up. Begins to come back up. Because, listen, though he was crucified as a criminal, he would be buried as a king. Although he was made poor in death, he received honor in his burial in a hewn uh, out sepulcher prepared for the rich. And so here, even before the resurrection in the, and in and through the burial of Christ, we see the Lord beginning to give Jesus the reward of his suffering, shadowing out, as, as Calvin said, giving a prelude, a foretaste of the glory and honor that he would bestow upon his son at the day, uh, on the third day at his resurrection. And so we see here that, first of all, the Father exalts him. Look, at that's, that's, that's A under point number two. The Father exalts him. Remember, remember, beloved, that Jesus, listen, was falsely charged and executed as an insurrectionist. Rome's practice was to leave the bodies of anyone charged with insurrection to decay on the cross as a grotesque warning not to resist Rome. But remember, Deuteronomy 21, 23 stipulated that a hanged man must be taken down off the tree at night lest the land be defiled, especially before a Sabbath festival. And so the Lord providentially worked it out in such a way that, that Jesus' body would not remain on that cross to decay, but, 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 uh, but it would be taken down. And so accommodating Jewish religious sensibilities, the Romans would allow the Jews to remove the dead from the crosses and to bury them. But, but even then, people who had been charged the way Jesus was charged, people who had been charged with insurrection were not allowed any honors in death. As the final act of dishonor, insurrectionist bodies were, were tossed in a common grave or dispatched in the fires of the city's garbage heap. 
things. Isaiah said his grave was assigned with wicked men. With all the males, disciples scattered, Mark's original audience would have fully anticipated that Jesus' body would come to the assigned place of the garbage heap, the assigned place of wicked men. But remember, Isaiah went on to say, yet (laughs) he was with a rich man in his death. He was assigned a grave with wicked men. But when he actually died and he was actually buried, he was with a rich man in his death. Listen, listen to this. Because he had done no violence. You see, what what we see is that the father is going to exalt the son. Listen, listen. He is going to give him the reward of his suffering because when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Because when, 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 when the mob came to him with, with, in, with injustice and violence, he, 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 he received, listen, listen to this, he, he submitted himself to the will of God and, and gave his life over as a sacrifice. Because he had done no violence, the Lord began, the father begins to give him the reward of his suffering. And he, and he doesn't allow him to be thrown on the city garbage heap. He doesn't allow him to go into the grave with other sinners, but he begins to give him the burial of a king. The father begins to give the son the honor that he is due to turn away from the abandonment, to turn away from the shame, to turn away from the disgrace that he bore. Being well pleased with the finished work of the son, the father begins to remove the curse and shame and intervenes with a special providence to honor his son with a burial of a king. And so verse 44, Joseph of Arimathea, a senior member of the Sanhedrin, the same council that had just condemned Jesus, speaks up and claims the body of Jesus. In verse 46, Joseph takes the body and wraps it, it says, in fine linen, the cloth of the rich and wealthy. And then he gives Jesus his own burial chamber out of hewn rock where no one had been laid. Normally, People were buried alongside other bodies. Only royalty, only the rich could afford their own burial chambers in the ancient Near East. But the father moves upon Joseph of Arimathea to give Jesus a burial fit for a king. Although he had not yet been raised from the dead, we already have a clear prelude, clear indications that the father is well pleased with the son and that the father is vindicating the son. That the Father is accepting the Son. That the Father is rewarding the Son. And that's good news today. Because His acceptance means our acceptance. His vindication means our vindication. His standing with the Father secures our standing with the Father. And the honor that He is beginning to receive also means honor will come to everyone who is joined with Him. So the Father exalts him, but also, lastly, his people adore him. His people adore him. As we look closer, we see the Father exalting Christ by giving him the hearts and the minds of his people, starting, listen, with the least likely people. 
The very first person standing near the cross after the death of Christ that, 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 that declared that Jesus is the Son of God was a, was a Roman centurion who had just participated in nailing him to the cross. And whereas the male disciples had all abandoned Jesus Christ, this great company of women were sustained in their faith, believing that somehow this crucifixion was a part of the saving plan of God. And then a member of the Sanhedrin, the very council again that had condemned Jesus Christ, and, 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 and uh, a member of the Sanhedrin steps up and claims and identifies himself with Jesus Christ. We know from the other Gospels that Joseph Joseph of Arimathea had, 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 listen, had believed in Jesus, but, but listen, he believed in Jesus in private, not openly for fear of the Jews. And after Jesus died in such a shameful public way, it would have been easy for Joseph of Arimathea to just take his ball and go home, to just, just hide his faith in Christ, just quietly disappear and, and never speak openly uh, and, and weep, weep silently over the death of Christ. But the Father, listen to this, gave Joseph's heart to the son. The father gave these women's hearts to the son. And, 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 and in a very, listen, in a very risky move, Joseph of Arimathea goes to an annoyed Pontius Pilate and completely contrary to the Sanhedrin's wishes, he identifies himself with Jesus Christ and throws his reputation to the wind and publicly claims Jesus' body. The Father honors the Son by giving him the devotion and the allegiance of his people, starting with the least likely people. Psalm 110, verses 1 through 3, predicted that this would be God's reward to his Messiah. It says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. It says, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people, it says, will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. And right here at the burial, we see Christ Jesus' people offering themselves freely to serve him and to adore him. The Father gives the Son the devotion of Joseph of Arimathea. The Father gives the Son the devotion of the women who wait in the distance. The Father gives the Son the hearts and minds of his people. Listen, and the Father continues to reward the Son with the hearts and the minds of his people. God's reward to the Son is to give him your heart and your mind. We sing in the black church tradition, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. And, 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 and what that is, is that's a confession that, 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 that my mind has been given to Jesus, that my heart has been given to Jesus. And as I think about the mess and the junk that's on our hearts and on our minds, we can be confident that one day it'll all be cleansed, not because we are faithful to God, but because the Father is faithful to the Son. 
How do you know? Listen, how do you know that, 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 one, that you are going to have a victory over your besetting sins? It's not because you're so good to God, but it's because God the Father is so good to God the Son that He will give your heart and He will give your mind and He will give your life to the Son. That, that, that listen, that, 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 that His people will offer themselves freely on the day of His power. Your hope to be rid of the sin of your heart does not rest in your faithfulness to God, but in the Father's faithfulness to the Son to give Him your heart. And so you can say, Father, give my heart to the Son. You can say, Father, cleanse my mind for the Son. Father, make my life a jewel in the crown of the Son. Make my deeds an adornment for the Son. And we can trust because God the Father loves God the Son, because God the Father will give him the reward of his sufferings, that one day our lives really will be a jewel in the crown of the Son. One day. You and I, as messed up and sinful as we are, will find ourselves looking like Jesus and thinking like Jesus and talking like Jesus and acting like Jesus and conform to his image. And one day when we see him face to face, we shall be made like him. As the son receives the fullness of the reward of his suffering. We can trust that God will do it. We can trust that one glorious day at the consummation, the Father will give every heart, every, every mind, and every knee to the Son as every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord the burial of Christ, a proof and a prelude, we have been reminded once again that you are better to us than we realized. Thank you, Jesus, not only for dying for us, but for being buried for us. Thank you, Lord, that you have made safe passage through the grave so that we no longer need fear death because you have already overcome it. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have purchased our hearts and our minds, and so we can have confidence because of all that you have done, that we will be fully sanctified and fully conformed into the image of Christ, that the Father will give us our hearts, our minds, our lives fully to the Son, and that when we see you, we will be made like you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.